Welcome to ADHD Flourishing about living awesomely with autism and ADHD. You deserve recognition for both the challenges and the superpowers of this unique neurotype. Let's celebrate wisdom and support from real life stories and talk strategies to manage the difficulties of day-to-day life so we can move beyond that to thriving and building a sustainable and awesome life. If you want to be here, you are accepted here and you belong. I'm your ADHD host, Mattia Murray. Let's do this. Before I dive into this topic of when we fully embody the next version of ourselves, I want to make a meta note about this week's episode and my brain. I had a totally different episode planned that's requiring research and I've put a lot of time into it. This morning, as I'm getting down to the wire to actually record it, I realized my brain did not have the focus or ability right now to actually finish that longer episode and feel good about it. To put it another way, the brain state that I'm in is not suited to the task. When I try to ignore that and push through, I'm usually displeased with the result because it's lower quality and I just didn't enjoy the process. One reason my brain state feels weird is that I'm taking less of my ADHD meds because of the medication shortage, trying to make it last. And I called six pharmacies this week and everywhere is just on back order of every formulation, every dosage, and even alternate potential meds, as in they don't even know when they're going to get it. I haven't been able to fill my prescription in two months and I just had enough to get to just about now. I'm now trying to stretch it out to use on important days. As someone for whom ADHD meds have been enormously impactful, not only on my work, but my overall mental health and brain states, I wanted to bring this up for a few reasons. One, if you've had trouble getting your meds filled during the shortage, solidarity, and oh my god, this sucks. Two, if you've never tried ADHD meds, but are pretty sure you need them or that they would help, yes, it's possible to work with your brain states gently as I am this week. And at the same time, there are going to be times you just can't do what you want to do in the way that you want to do it. And the added potential layer of social or internalized shame on top of that can be really gnarly. And three, if you or anyone you know has any shitty beliefs about stimulant medications, it's worth getting up to date on the long-term studies that have now been completed from kids who took meds starting in the 90s, showing that for ADHD folks who need them, The younger they started and the higher the dose, the better their outcomes are on almost every measure later in life. There's a theory that for kids, it might actually help them heal some of their brain pathways. There's also the thing where ADHD folks have trouble learning from their mistakes because dopamine is also heavily related to learning. And my theory is that being able to learn from your mistakes from a younger age also has excellent long-term results. So while that's not what this episode is about, and I do have a lot more to say on those topics, I just wanted to be transparent about how I'm working with my own brain during a frustrating time and how it's okay to just say, fuck it, I'm not going to do that task that feels super hard when my brain state is such that I'll probably just do a bad job anyway. It does not feel perfectionist in this particular moment. It feels like a kindness to let my brain do something that's easy for my brain which is to take a smaller idea for the podcast that I can just talk through without research. So here we go. That topic is becoming the next version of yourself. It's happening all the time, right? We're always growing and changing and we're always learning and taking in those learnings in various ways. The main lens I'm looking through today is the idea of embodiment or when those changes and learnings become a part of us such that it kind of always feels like we've been this way. For example, when I look back at the 
super evangelical Christian version of myself as a teenager, while I remember some of the things I used to say and do, there's very little embodied emotional memory of it. It's hard for me to feel connected to that person from 20 years ago. And to be fair, since then, all the cells in my body have refreshed about three times. So in some literal sense, I'm quite different regardless. One interesting aspect of embodiment is that it can be harder for us to see it in others. We tend to view others as more static because we're getting a much more limited amount of information about their experience. But you've probably experienced the following type of conversation, probably on both sides of it at different times. One person says, you did such and such. And the other person says, no, that doesn't sound like me. Not, no, I didn't do or say that, but... I can't access the emotional memory of having said or done that because it is too far outside my current experience of who I am. Now, as someone with a good memory for auditory conversation, I find it incredibly frustrating when other people don't remember what they said. However, I've certainly also been the person not remembering something because I've changed so much and embodied that change so thoroughly that it's hard for me to wrap my mind around the memory that's now totally drained of emotion or vibrancy. And I'd also like to acknowledge at this point that that particular bit could be particular to my experience, that part about old memories feeling kind of dead and lifeless and hard to attach to. It could also be because of my complete aphantasia, who knows? As another personal example, it can be hard to remember the really reactive ways I used to respond, and in particular, the internalized gnawing away at my own sanity. It's one reason I haven't read my old, old journals, except when I need to find a specific piece of data. It's really hard to feel like that person was me and be reminded of specific bad moments and the depth of the pain and remembering how I felt like there was absolutely no way out of it because I had such an aversion to even temporary relief. And by that, I mean in part drugs, although yes, I did use sex in that way. But with physical pain in particular, I would pretty much just wallow until the thing passed because I didn't want to take pain meds, which in retrospect is also a fairly monotropic approach to pain. I was just in it until it was over. And in looking back at how that version of me who was so in the trauma and just living from trauma, how I reacted sometimes in conversations when I felt threatened or when it was a touching on an attachment wound, when I think about that version of myself, it can be easier for me to have compassion for people in my life who are attacking me because I'm not reacting in the way they want, or if they're viewing it as a threat. Even though I'm no longer that reactive person, there's also this element that I can both be compassionate when others are, and I also try to keep in mind that some people from my past might still be reacting to that former version of me because that's their memory uh, or experience of me that hasn't yet been updated. The other major topic I want to touch on around this is how we change and how we embody and how we become that next version of ourselves. And while I can't thoroughly answer all of that today because this would become another hour-long episode that I don't have the brain capacity for, I can talk a bit about my experience as someone who has changed more than most people I know, in part because of that extreme religious upbringing, and then 
Also because of my repeated discoveries as an adult of identities that ended up bringing a lot of change. Like for example, literally being transgender, right? (laughs) You know, brought a lot of change. I've taken two basic approaches to change out of which has arisen a third. The first is the standard forcing and trying, which can look like reading self-help books, attending courses and retreats, and just generally focusing on who you want to be and who maybe you feel like you should be instead of who you are right now. The second approach is when I would take breaks from all of that, which I did regularly in an attempt to integrate. That can look like taking a break from therapy or actively engaging in things that help you integrate or just generally enjoying who you are right now. The third approach that I feel like I'm in at the moment is something between those two, but it's not just an exact blend. And I think that's in part because of how much I've embodied some of what I'm about to talk about. I'm in this deep love and acceptance of who I am and all of my parts. It's a deep love and acceptance of where I am in my journey, some of which I relate back to brain states because I'm not consciously choosing to fall asleep, basking in presence, and I'm not consciously choosing to wake up full of gratitude and just saying thank you spontaneously throughout the day over and over. And at the same time, that does come out of years of work, my current focus, and my current spiritual practice, which I don't talk about a lot, but does help inform much of how I function. And right now, a lot of that is just connecting to my deeper self and consciousness and presence. And then on top of that, as part of this third way I'm experiencing, there's this thirst or desire for mastery, knowledge, and sharing and being in community. And that's driving a lot of the actual current change. It's not so much that I want it to be different or want myself to be different. It's that I want to stay in the flow and in the process And as a result of that, I keep learning. As I learn, there's space for that embodiment to happen because I'm not resisting it. And as that happens, there's this spontaneous desire to share it with community, largely through this podcast at the moment. I do want to touch back on this idea of there being space for the embodiment to happen. Right now, I'm three weeks into a break from social media. And while I've done this many times before, this one feels particularly generative I desperately needed that break. Right now, my emotional regulation skills are better, possibly also because I'm doing the safe and sound protocol right now with my therapist, which I might talk about more at some point. My brain has space to be creative. It's probably the last big piece of evidence I need to leave social media permanently in 2024, which I'm sure I will talk about more. But it's not just the break from social media. There's also the space for embodiment because overall my internal self-talk is so kind and supportive now. So even if change is feeling icky to some parts of me, the rest of me is able to hold space for that without forcing it in either direction. So much of my experience used to be pushing against something or trying to draw something toward me actively. Now I feel much more like an organic being to whom natural growth is happening without a lot of conscious effort on my part. All of this is not a roadmap in itself because this feels too close to my experience to actually try to model to you. I don't always talk through things like this on the podcast, and I often wait until I have something more cogent to say, but I don't know that this one will ever 
gel in that way because the whole point is that I'm always in the process and the nature of embodiment is that it's very hard to perceive even in retrospect. Thank you for being here in the soup with me and I hope my being open about my journey is helpful as you become the next version of yourself who is probably just as awesome as you right now and also you right now has access to loving and supporting all parts of you without the need to change or force anything because the process is always happening naturally with or without your active interference. And I'm laughing at myself because that was a good example of me slipping into slightly hypnosis-y speech. <laughs> Once change becomes embodied as a part of you, in a way it feels like how you always were. I love that feeling so much. It feels much better to me than striving or pushing for some other parallel version of me who may or may not believe or feel different things. To be fair, part of why this is easier for me right now is that overall, I like how I'm feeling. And even with some bad days, everything feels like it's trending upwards. That's also in part because I have a clear connection between what I'm doing most days and my big long-term goals. If that's something you want support with, there's a link in the show notes to a New Year's session with me to make a roadmap for your most important intentions. And if you know you're going to need ongoing support to actually put those into action, that's part of what I will help you figure out for your particular situation. And something I've thought about trying is having monthly sessions with people for that ongoing support. And while I don't have that as a formal offer, if anyone on the New Year's calls are interested in that support, I'll set that up. And if you have any questions, you can email me at mattia at mattiamarie.com. Speaking of websites, the new adhdflourishing.com website is up and running and getting closer and closer to done every day. I'm posting on the resources blog three times a week, putting up mostly free resources for ADHD folks. Happy holidays. Please take care of yourself. And I hope you can have some rest and relaxation this solstice season. Thanks for being here and taking a moment for yourself. I hope the episode sparks some ideas or possibilities for your own journey. If you're looking for gentle ongoing support, I invite you to join the Like Your Brain community. It's a non-hierarchical and no pressure space to share our lived experiences together and learn from each other. Ask authentic questions, share your own wisdom, and be a part of building a safer space for folks with identities that are often marginalized. And if you're not yet ready to be seen in a group space, we've all been there, you can join the podcast support tier, which has a private podcast feed with some of the learnings from Like Your Brain and additional podcast content, so you can absorb on your own terms and timeline. We're here whenever you're ready. The link is in the show notes or at patreon.com slash Mattia. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash M-A-T-T-I-A. Have a great week.